Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm sitting in a business center at a Swank hotel room in downtown Vancouver with the band called Bob Moses. I have both members of the band here with me. Hi, I'm uh, Jimmy, and I am the lead keyboardist. I'm Tom, and I'm the backup uh, singer. You guys do other things. We do. I, uh, I dance around, I play tambourine, I have a really good time, and I hit a bunch of buttons. And, and you know, I guess co-songwriter and um, the guy that wears the hat. I, I sometimes wear a hat, but I play guitar and, yeah. Tom definitely wears the pants, don't let him fool you. Can you tell me about the negotiation process for who gets to be the guy who wears the hat? Jimmy just has a cooler hat than I have found so far, so he just kind of wins. It's just natural selection. Yeah, we're, we're, we believe in the strong uh, survival of the fittest in Bob Moses. So if you if you're better at doing something, then that guy gets that job. Yeah. And I happen to be not as good at guitar, but better at wearing hats. So you know you can't be you can't be good at everything. You can't. So before I turned on the recorder, some dude just left the room saying that he was going to have a party in Jimmy's hotel room. You want me to explain that? So um, we played a party once, and uh, I gave a friend. Uh, the key to my room and I came back and there was a six-person orgy in my room and I had to find somewhere else to sleep and that's where that joke stems from you're a rock star why don't you just wander right in um it just wasn't my time you know (laughs) you got to pick your spots and uh, I was more about sleep at that point you know but you know and I didn't want to interrupt the beautiful thing that was happening so I I found somewhere else to go rest my head All right, well, you got to do what's right for you. Bob Moses, you guys are originally from Vancouver, and we're, of course, in Vancouver today. It's the afternoon, and you guys have a little bit of time before the show. If you could take a walk down memory lane, I would love you to tell me about a place you'd love to visit that you either played, maybe got drunk at as a teenager. Uh, I like to go by Plaza of Nations because I used to play a a little club there called uh, Cyber, which I think got turned to mint and now might be more part of the whole Edgewater Casino that has taken over everything there. But when I was a kid, I used to play records there. It was like my first job. Um, and I'd love to go, you know, take a little trip down memory lane and see what, where it's at now. I would like to go um, actually out to Richmond to the skateboard park, which is where I used to, I, my punk band played their first ever show when I was like 12 years old. And, that outdoor uh, skate park? Yeah. That place was sick. We set up on top of the half pipe. We had like our huge amps and our drum set and stuff, and we sounded absolutely horrible, and it was awesome. I'm so much cooler than I ever was. I think you're both pretty cool. Well, actually, I'm going to scratch that. You did leave an orgy. I did. Yeah, yeah that's that's what everyone has said to that story. They weren't I told you not to tell that story, dude. Yeah. Come on, you got to keep your rock star perspective. Yeah, you know, they, they, they're more shocked about the fact that I left than my room being violated, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can't say anything to that. How about we hear a song? I'm going to play Tearing Me Up from your record, Days Gone By. I would love it if one of you could say something about it for people who have no idea who you are. Um, it was definitely the fastest song that we wrote on the record. It came together in a couple days, and we just felt really good about it. It was, like, fun, you know? It's like when songwriting... Sometimes songwriting can be a lot of work, and sometimes it can be a lot of fun, and this one was a lot of fun, so I hope you enjoy it. Let me tell you about a little situation It's been testing my patience, man She was keeping me up on
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Tearing Me Up by a band called Bob Moses. Off the record, days gone by. I have both members of the band here with me. Tom, it's your turn to talk about this song. Uh, this song is about someone who's doing you wrong. And, uh, yeah, it's semi-autobiographical for us. And um, I love it. It's, it's fun to play live. in the bookstore, semi-autobiographical. It's like half-autobiographical. Yeah. You know, it's like... A through Z of that, I guess. I noticed that most of the Bob Moses songs are about relationships that appear to be going wrong. Is that kind of your track record? No, actually, we're not, well, sort of, maybe a little bit. Um, Lots of them we write about relationships, but we also, that doesn't necessarily mean they're about relationships to members of the opposite sex or anything like that, or the same sex or whatever. On the surface, some of the songs you know, you might say, oh, they're all about a love relationship or something, but if you dig a bit deeper, they can kind of be trans- transmitted to other, like, areas of life, too. Yeah. Tom's the only relationship I've had that's gone right, so, you know, that's my track Aww. record. <laughs> what a success story. <laughs> that feels all warm and fuzzy. So your origin, you guys met in New York when you are both feeling a little bit down about your careers, but you are both from Vancouver and knew each other. So I would love each of you to describe the other guy, as he was in high school when you guys didn't hang out. Okay. Jimmy was really nice guy and he had way too much energy, like way, 10 times much more energy than he does now, which already he has way too much energy. So he was just like the guy who came into art class who was like, oh my God, what's up guys, how's it going? But he was like, he was like the other guy in high school who was like the music guy and he was gonna do it. And I was like, that's the guy who's gonna be like, so I thought he was really cool. And um, except for his haircut. Uh, but he was please describe that haircut. I'll let him describe his haircut. <laughs> I had a haircut where I shaved off the side of my head, like, but like left a little bit. It was it was pretty crazy. I also had a thing where like I had my hair completely platinum blonde, and then it grew out too long, so only the tips were blonde. Because so it basically had a platinum blonde faux hawk for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was that. And uh, very memorable. So I just remember Tom picking on me. No, <laughs> um, uh, no, Tom and I had an art class together, and he had put out um, like an EP that he kind of was just selling out of the back of his car, which was really quite good. Like you know, and um, he was doing things like he was like you know becoming this kind of popular music guy and singer songwriter dude, and I was kind of like, whoa, that guy's gonna like go places, and you know, he's already selling like records out of the back of his car and like playing out shows and doing all this stuff. I was like damn, I got to get my shit together, you know? But he was, he was super cool. Like, I mean, we just used to talk about music and stuff in our class. And um, other than that, we didn't really hang out too much. But, you know, he was basically known as, like, if anyone in the school is going to make it in the music business, it was going to be Tom. So that's why I read some books and figured out how to, you know, cast spells on people so they joined my band. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so you guys met in New York and got together. A lot of Vancouver bands are sort of faced with the choice, should I stay or should I go, meaning should I leave Vancouver to find a career in music? Before you guys became Bob Moses, you guys both made that decision. I'd love you to talk to other bands about what they should be thinking about when they make that decision, should I stay or should I go from Vancouver? I think now, more so than when we left you can kind of do it from anywhere and there's enough of a scene. I mean, we will focus on the underground electronic music scene because that's what we made our way up in in New York and what we run in and what we, like, where we kind of, you know, came from. So I think now there's enough of a scene that you could definitely just stay here. 
And I think actually that would be great because the scene could be built a lot more. I really wanted to go and just explore. I was restless, you know. So that was a good thing. If you, if you have a restless sort of spirit, then I would definitely say go. And my thing too was that if I, had, if I was on the East Coast of the United States and I could, drove four hour, I could drive four hours in any direction and hit more people than I could driving across Canada like four times. So now, like I said, the underground scene and is, is really well, there's enough of a bed here that you can, you can work your way up and it actually might give you a creative edge. I would travel to other places, you know, go see festivals and stuff, but it's all really like, there's a really great online infrastructure for underground electronic music and there's enough of a scene here in Vancouver, which I think could be really like bolstered. So I, I would say stay unless you hate Vancouver or something. But. I don't think for us it could have happened any other way than the way that it did. So for that, I'm grateful. But I also have a little bit of guilt for kind of leaving and like not, you know, helping grow something here. And when we came back, I was really relieved to see that like, you know, there's great labels like 1080p and Mood Hut and all these guys that have really kind of you know, sustained the Vancouver scene or have, have they kind of basically trudged through the trenches to get things to happen here. And I'm just great that now that we, when we, when we come back, that they've done that and there's things to go to and lots of fun and people being really creative. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a great place. And if you're an artist here, definitely think about staying. I think it's time to hear another track by Bob Moses. I'm going to play Talk. So who would like to talk about that before people hear the song? Um, talk was uh, one of the first tracks that we actually started working on on the record. And it actually samples a bongra track from the 70s um i'm not gonna say which one in case they come after us you know but um hey, we got all the samples cleared yeah we got all the samples cleared okay it's 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 uh i forget the name of it but it's like the haha sounds it's sampled from a 1970s bonger track off some movie soundtrack so listen for it you see it all in black and white it's out of my mind and out of sight
This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Talk from the record Days Gone By by a band called Bob Moses. I have both members of the band here with me sitting in a swank business center in a hotel room. Tom, it's your turn to say something about this song. This song was not made in a swank business center. It was made in a grungy studio, and um, I feel a lot more comfortable in grungy studios making music with uh, bonger samples than I do in the swanky business center but it's because of this song that we get to spend time in swanky business centers so there you go we sort of covered your guys origin before we heard the song when you guys finally hooked up in new york you spent a year before you started releasing any music as bob moses you said that you wanted to find your sound while you took that time i would love it if you guys could talk about that year you spent experimenting with what you would eventually become um we just basically spent a whole bunch of time writing everything and anything um and it was a lot of fun like it was it was stressful in the sense that it was like okay what are we going to do like you know making music's this very perilous and scary daunting task and we have to put something together that people are going to listen to eventually but it was also really fun because there was like this freedom of like you know we could make whatever we wanted and we had like a great time and I remember we wrote this song called Rollin' Fool it's like I think the first thing Tom and I did together was kind of come up with this like you know melody and beat and stuff like that and we ended up like taking like finishing the song and I still really like it it's nothing that ever is going to be Bob Moses but like I listen back to it and I'm like oh I'm really proud of that it's awesome um but you know we basically made everything from like acoustic guitar songwriter somber stuff to like like block party uh dance hits sort of stuff so and and then we kind of settled on more underground somber somewhere in between 
Yeah, it was like a it was a big period of self discovery. You know, it's kind of like when you're a teenage kid and you don't really know what you're going to do with your life and or whatever, any 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 part time of your life. So it was kind of like Jimmy said, very daunting at one time, but also very very exciting because it was kind of the possibilities were endless. And I think we did a lot of figuring things out that year. And um, and and once we kind of once we were kind of like really comfortable working with one another, we just uh, we found our way and like New York was a great spot to be. So it was um, we our project is definitely birthed out of New York and like the whole scene we were running in. So we used after just writing a whole bunch of stuff on our own, we kind of realized that we needed a bit of guidance or a bit of um, camaraderie and we kind of need some people to run with. And so once we found that, that's when we kind of started Bob Moses and had a sound and it came together pretty quick. What's one thing about living in New York that you couldn't have gotten for the music any other way? Uh, we, well, we probably wouldn't have met Francis Harris or Scissor and Thread or like pro- all of it, you know, we wouldn't have. For people who don't know, who is that? Francis is uh, the guy who is one of the owners of this label called Scissor and Thread, which is this small um, label based in New York. And he was the first person to sort of take us under his wing in a big way and uh, help produce some tracks and collaborate with us. Um, And that ended up being what Bob Moses turned into, that sound. Yeah, back then the guy thought it was a good idea to take money out of his own pocket and press our music onto vinyls and try and sell them. And he was the first person to try and do that. So for that, we're like really stoked. And uh, those vinyls are like are like way long gone and sold out and they're on like discogs for, you know, people try and get them. But like, I'm so happy that we each have like our own copy. And it's like, it was pretty cool to get it and be like, wow, our music is on a physical thing that you can play on a turntable. And so, yeah, he was the first guy to do that. So many bands feel pressure to be whatever they are right from the start. What would you say to those bands having those fights right now? I would say you don't have to figure it all out and just be open-minded and I think the thing that really clicked for me was that once I started um, being okay with being part of something bigger than just like my voice or our voice or our band and our songs and kind of like accepted help and did some collaborations and kind of became part of a sort of scene that was not, or a a community rather, that's a better word. Once I kind of like went out there and, and joined forces a bit more, I mean, you don't lose your own voice. Like we still had our our thing that was very us. But as soon as we started doing that, um, and you know, you need other people to help you get anywhere. So like to to kind of absorb yourself in a community that was really what helped us. And I think that is something to remember. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you know, don't take it too seriously and don't kind of paint yourself into a corner too quick. You know, yeah, lots of the great lots of the greatest artists have had several reincarnations and you know Madonna David Bowie yeah. and it's, a, of, it's Beatles, okay of. to have some follies too just like you know as long as it gets you to where you're going or like you know like some people their third record is the one that everyone listens to and their first two they're like what the hell happened there so it doesn't matter when it comes or how it comes like just take your time and make sure you're having fun I think it's time to play another Bob Moses track I'm gonna pick an older track I'm gonna pick I ain't gonna be the first to cry I would love it if I could get Let's just say, Jimmy, you can talk about this one before we hear it. Sure. This is a cover of a Bobby Bland song. Who is Bobby Bland? He's a, a blues artist uh, from the South, and, uh, you know, he's just like one of those, like, you know, you talk, you talk about Robert Johnson, you talk about Howlin' Wolf, you talk about Bobby Bland, you know? So, And Tom and I love blues, 
And so we always had this idea of like combining blues and kind of dance music together. And uh, we think it worked kind of great, like a nice funky guitar riff. And uh, yeah, and you know, it's a contest of who ain't gonna be the first to cry. And usually I'm the first one to cry, so.
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard I Ain't Gonna Be the First to Cry, which is an older track and a cover by a band called Bob Moses. I have both of the members of the band here with me. Tom, it's your turn to talk about this song. We made that version of that song because my stepdad played Bobby Bland for me at a Christmas party or something. We had had this track that we had worked on before, and we knew we wanted to do something bluesy, and we knew we wanted to do something funky, but with our sort of sound, and we had stalled on this track. We had the backing, we didn't have the vocal, and and then I played it for Jimmy, and we just kind of like both looked at each other right away and said like, why don't we try to work this into this other track? So we'd always loved this bed track that we had made, and um, I Ain't Gonna Be the First Cry is kind of the song that saved that, that piece of music for us and got it to turn into something. That's an older track. I'd love you guys to talk about how you feel about your growth as a musician on the new record, Days Gone By. You know, I think it's been a really like kind of natural progression from where we started to where we are now and all the stuff that we've done in between. Um, Nothing ever kind of felt forced. Like we used to kind of focus more on making tracks that would sound good at clubs, like specifically like the warehouses in New York that we would frequent and go party at. And we were like, let's make songs. We want to play these shows, so let's write songs that fit with these shows. And as we started getting gigs and as we started playing more, we started to push the envelope into, like, what we could get away with. And it all just kind of happened as, like, oh, we're ready to do this, we're ready to do this. And when you get in that mindset, I think you just start writing different songs. Yeah. And, and that's really, it's all been a process of, like, you know, we've, it's all just felt really great and natural and slow, and we've never gone, okay, that's it, I'm into punk, so we're going to do a punk thing now. It's all been, like... You know, it just feels like it comes from what both of me and Tom are into and what we want to write. I've read you guys are both into punk and heavier music. I'd love you to tell me about a track that you guys both could start headbanging to while in the studio when you need a break from electronic music. Um, <laughs> what's, I don't know. What, what would we both headbang to? Like Sad But True Metallica, that's a good one. Yeah, like Rage some, Against the Machine, yeah, Bulls on Parade. By Sl- something by Slayer. Yeah, like Raining Blood, Slayer, or like, uh, what's that? Or like, yeah, God Hates Us All, Slayer, that's a good record. Dave Lombardo's a sick drummer. But I don't think he's playing on that. I think it's Paul Bostaff. So, yeah, I don't know. I love Slayer, and I love Metallica. Love all that stuff. Um, and we, yeah, we listen to a lot of pretty heavy stuff sometimes. You guys often talk about how tight you are as a friendship, of course, because you're a band and tour a lot together. So I would love to know one thing you know about the other guy that not even his girlfriend knows. Oh God. Whoa. Uh, that's, uh, um, yeah. Does your girlfriend still know you're a virgin? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, oh. Um, You're the one who walked out of an orgy. Yeah, oh, go getting getting shut down here, sir. Oh man, I've told, I've said too much. Uh, she probably doesn't know that Jimmy, on the whole last bus tour, slept with a stuffed wombat. Aww. <laughs> His name's Wally. I got him in Australia. He was just too. I love wombats, and he's just too adorable not to take back to Canada with me. So you know, he had to come on the bus tour. He's seen a lot of the world. Yeah. You know, Australia. He's a very well traveled wombat. Uh, Stuff uh, the wombat. <laughs> Dude, he's real to me. <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah, no, it was great. You know, sometimes when you're in those little pods, you just need a little friend, and Wally was a good friend to me. So don't talk shit about Wally, Tom. <laughs> Here's your chance to get him back. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm walking out of orgies and sleeping with a stuffed animal, so my track record's not looking too hot right now. <laughs> I love witty music writing, and I read one funny quote about you guys where Vice Magazine said, Bob Moses said that you guys sound like a tranked Chris Martin from Coldplay. That made me chuckle. What's the funniest thing you've read about yourself? Um, 
Is that the, did you say drunk Chris, Chris Martin? They said tranked Chris Martin. What's tranked? Like shot with a tranquilizer gun. Oh, oh. he's been compared to Chris Martin a couple times, and I think someone said he sounded like a drunk Chris Martin too at one point. I forget who that was, and I said, yeah, Tom's pre-show warm-up is to chug a couple beers and sing clocks. <laughs> It's a great song. Yeah, it's a great. We love Coldplay. You know, like they get a lot of flack for some reason, but like you know, they've written some great tunes, and you can't knock great tunes. Last night, last night we played in Seattle at Bumbershoot, and the Taylor Hawkins, the drummer from the Foo Fighters, was watching from the side of the stage because he was playing in another band too. And the Foo Fighters don't. They they like to hate on Coldplay, but uh, uh, we like Coldplay. So but you know what? Coldplay doesn't hate on the Foo Fighters because they're nice dudes. They're nice, proper Englishmen. Yeah. But we also love the Foo Fighters, so you know we're just not gonna hate on anybody. We just love everybody. We you know? we, all, we we hate on Jeezy though, sometimes. Yeah, we've done that. Do you know but, who Jeezy is? But that's not a good idea. Yeah, we're who is Jeezy? Uh, he's uh he's this dude that walks around with a security guard that um and he looks kind of mean, and I think he yeah. sings rap songs. Yeah, we're just scared of his security guard. You guys released a deluxe version of Days Gone By, and you put some acoustic songs on it. So in the background, I'm gonna play Before I Fall. Down. I wish that I could take it back and start again. Cause I found never got the chance to say what I meant. And so to talk about being known as an EDM artist but putting out some acoustic songs to show a different side. In the writing process, our writing and production process is very sort of one and the same and there's always a time when we, once we've got, you know, a groove and some ideas and some melodies and stuff where we pull it back and I'll pick up a guitar and Jimmy sits at the piano and we just kind of play the song. And so we, and we do that in, in the process to sort of like sort out more of just like the song itself as removed from all the sounds and production wizardry. This song in particular is a very, is one that works very well in, uh, in the sort of acoustic realm and we've always loved playing it like that together so we just decided to, uh, we had a nice version of it that we had come up with and we decided to record it. Could we see more of this type of stuff from Bob Moses? I think definitely. Like, um, you know, like Tom said, we, that's how sometimes we write songs, and, you know, they're beautiful little acoustic versions, and we flesh them out a bit more. So if something comes up in the future where it's like it sounds good as an acoustic and also as a full-fledged thing, then we'll probably do it. All right. I was reading in the local paper you guys did an interview where Jimmy said that he used to go to sparsely attended EDM shows back in the day in New York where he met a lot of people who later on went on to become big names. And then you guys were talking about how you could go and ask them for favors because you knew them way back when. I'd love you to tell me about a favor you asked for. Um, I don't know if a, f- a favor is kind of the right thing, but for example, like we used to go back and, and I used to see this guy, Lee Burridge, who runs this 
show uh, party called All Day I Dream. Now All Day I Dream is this massive thing, but back then it was just like, you know, before it was All Day I Dream, he used to play small little shows, and I became friends with him from a really young age. And he just kind of took me under his wing, and when Tom and I were working together, he took us both under his wing and was like, I'd love to do everything I can to help Bob Moses. And if it wasn't for those, like, you know, when you see someone at a little show and you show up and you're like, oh, my God, I love you, that might not have happened, you know? And, and like, I think I said in the interview, something like, people remember those people that kind of, like, show up and are the diehard fans and you know we definitely remember those people that like can I help you carry your stuff and you're like sure those people get backstage to all our shows and like regardless of you know there's our, there are friends and they kind of become your family in a way yeah, totally. um the first people who to take the risk and book you or help you when you're like when you got nothing and you know I went and saw some some DJs and stuff when when you know they were going through those things and now that they have a chance to be able to help us they do so it's it's great last question in the interview you guys are at a point now where you could maybe help other artists. Has your time come yet? With Harrison, I think a little bit. Right? Yeah, we. I mean, we're we're starting to. I mean, we uh, we put some of Harrison Brome's music. He's a local guy in our mixes, and like he's going to come open for us on some shows. My brother's a up and coming producer who we give pointers to and help. What would his name be? His name's Ian Howie, and he's opening for us tonight at the Commodore. There's this band that I forget the name of that. We saw in, where were we? Calvi. Calvi on the rocks in France. And like, we've tried to kind of help them a bit, but that's sort of stalled. But like, we're definitely very interested in... Weevil as well. These two, these two kids from the Netherlands, they're coming on, on the road with us for a bit. And they're like these really young, talented producers. So, you know, we'll just say, hey, we like what you're doing. Like, we're going to play some shows. And if you want to come open for us, like Liam Desert Sound Colony as well on the last tour. Like, we just, yeah. you're, you're, we're fortunate in the position to be able to like be able to bring bands with us and kind of... They're bands that like we like, so it's like we get to put them in front of an audience that maybe they wouldn't get to otherwise and help help them out. And if it takes off, we couldn't be happier for them. So it's one tip you've given your little brother at making music. Just be patient and work really hard and keep at it. And you know, That's I think that goes that goes back to your uh, point about bands wanting to be what they are right away. I think that you know people are restless to become something or make it or be successful which is a good thing to have but you should also um when you're young and you're starting out you don't have the sort of wisdom or or insight to be able to see that you know spend just spending the time is is uh, really valuable and the kind of thing i think also people think of like making it as a sort of like magic thing but if you if you are talented and you just work really hard and you and you actually learn you always learn you'll just you'll get better and eventually you'll be making music and you'll figure out how to make music that like people are gonna like you know and that's it's not actually rocket science it's not it's not that magical it's funny when people get themselves into a situation where they've made a song that everyone likes but they don't like it themselves that's there's been bands like that have had that's happened to them too it's funny but you know tom and i have this conversation all the time when people ask us about like advice and what would you give advice to this and like Every I remember being a, a, a kid and like listening to bands that I love talk about stuff like that and just being so frustrated because it'd be like, no man, you must have done something magical or like, you know, what the hell, like how, you know, and I mean, really just, you just got to like sit down and just go for it, you know, and that's yeah. it. And eventually if it's meant to happen, it'll, it'll happen. But, um, you know, anyone, anyone can like, can, can do it if they just put the time in and they're talented and they get the right tools. Thank you very much for your time today, guys. You've been waiting for your motel rooms, and I think they're now ready for you. So the last thing I love to get the band to do is pick one of their songs, and I'll play it. So who would like to pick the song, and then you got to say something about it as the music comes up? 
right, I'm gonna pick uh, Touch and Go off our record, which is the last song on the record, and oftentimes the last song we end our sets with. And uh, it's great, because it's kind of like this jazzy number that then eventually like takes off and kind of has this mad Chemical Brothers moment at the end. So we, uh, it's great to play live. It's really fun to listen to, and hope you enjoy it. Thanks for being on my show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, there's a little black box Will you keep your love locked away now? And there's an answer in your heart But you won't ever start to play So won't you tell me just one start And what are you so afraid of? Go show
love you to do is say hi. My name is, and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. Hi, my name is. Oh, you talked over me. My name is what? My name is Chicka Chicka Jimmy Valance, and I'm a, I'm the lead keyboardist of Bob Moses. <laughs> hey, I'm Tom, and this is the interview show. If I'm gonna do that again. Hey, it's Tom from Bob Moses, and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. With Scott Wood. Bob Moses, two men, one desire to be on the interview show with Scott Wood.